Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. Today is our 18th episode, and we have a particularly sad event from Wisconsin history, the Peshtigo Fire. Uh, We give an overview of the event and the uh, main theory of how we believe it started. Uh, We have great Wisconsin music from Doozy. We have another great beer review, another edition of How Many Loco You At, and we have a special interview with our friends at Thirsty Pagan from Superior, Wisconsin. So without any more further ado, let's jump right in to our main story today, the Peshtigo Fire. On October 8th, 1871, the most devastating fire in Wisconsin occurred, and in the nation, actually, where 1,200 people lost their lives, 1.2 million acres burned, and 2 billion trees were destroyed. Due to the Great Chicago Fire, which occurred later the same night, the news of the Peshtigo Fire was overshadowed as Chicago is a more populous city and the major news circuits were all located there at the time. Peshtigo during this time was a lumber and sawmill town, which was led by its central figure William Ogden, and was actually home to the largest wood-producing factories in the entire United States. Despite the rumors, like the Chicago Fire, the Peshtigo Fire was not caused by a cow kicking over a lantern, <laughs> which in Wisconsin it could have actually, you it know. Would, it would have almost made more sense. Yeah, and... Uh, so this rumor was kind of something that spread all over due to our l- large dairy and cow operations we have here in the state. But it was actually caused by the season being particularly dry in the Midwest and in Canada. The Upper Peninsula and Iowa also suffered large fires this year. And the act- though the actual origins of the flame are not known, many believe, including myself, that it was started due to settlers using the slash and burn technique. Sure. So... If you don't Very know what this, yeah, if, so a slash and burn technique for for clearing, you're basically just burning the land, you're burning the trees, and you know we have some pretty old um, cedars, so to get rid of them, sometimes all you got to use is a little bit of heat. But yeah. if it, you know if it's a particularly dry season, this can get out of hand real fast. Well, it can actually also uh, bring bring uh, better uh, nutrients to the soil too, uh, charring. Uh, all the additional stuff. So yeah, and today, I mean, if you're gonna do this, um, obviously there's professionals that do it, and you have to let the fire department know ahead of time before you do this operation today. So it's a little safer. But back then, when the settlers were arriving, this this was not a common practice. But yeah, like Sturgeon said, it's it was a, a used to eliminate weed trees, uh, made the land black, barren, and uh, allowed new fresh seeds to kind of uproot. So it was a kind of a standard technique of the time period. Definitely. And Peshtigo, like many towns in the area, were highly vulnerable due to mostly of the timber buildings which made it prime for spreading fire. The town was also covered in sawdust from the lumber mills, and the main bridge leading out of town was the only 
was solely made of wood, which made escaping very, very challenging for the residents. Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of makes it almost like a like the scene in, in some of the I think it was uh, the Dark Knight Rises, the Batman movie where, hey, the bridge was the only way in and out of that town. If you take that out, no, nobody can really come in or out. I mean, it just it really shuts down. So this really was a devastating uh, fact that, you know, once the once the fire spread that far, uh, getting out of the, the town became almost completely impossible. And I mean, think about how much dust was getting kicked up in the lumber mill. I mean, the air was probably filled with like wood particle. Yeah. You know? So on October on, on September 23rd of that year, the town did stockpile a large water supply in case of a fire. However, due to the size and the rate at which the fire was spreading, it did not even make a dent in the flames. Yeah. The the blaze began in an unknown location in the forest and spread first to the town of Sugarbush and killed all of the town's residents. Unfortunately, the winds were also high and the flames were about 200 feet tall and burned at a temperature of about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, actually causing trees to explode and causing a firestorm. Which... Well, if you think about it, if any of the trees had, and like they would... Uh, they would have moisture within. So essentially what it's doing is it's pressure cooking all of that, all of that moisture within that wood. And essentially what's going to happen is it's going to boil out, dry out. And then all of a sudden it's just going to just burst from the middle. Right. And so though they don't know the origin, they do know that the fire was racing Northeast towards the town of Peshtigo. And a quote from the newspaper read, the only light available in the dark of the night was given off by the fire itself, creating an eerie glow that seemed to taunt the dying and surviving alike, like the open mouths of hell, which is a pretty That's extravagant. That's scary. I know. I mean, you think about it. You look all around you and all you see is flame and fire. All of us have been somewhere near a, uh, a campfire or bonfire in our own backyards, and it gets very warm, intolerably warm. You can't be within a certain you know distance of it imagine not being able to escape that imagine that that's your fate you're looking all around all you can fear feel is warmth all you can see is fire and flame and there's smoke everywhere you can't find your loved ones you're watching everything you you own destroyed around you this has got to be exactly what hell is depicted in you know in in religion oh for sure and I was going to ask you, have you ever been to a bonfire where uh, the fire got so hot that you thought your eyebrows burned off and you look in the mirror to make sure they're still there? Uh, yes. And I've, I've actually been to some fires where any any vehicles, uh, things that were in proximity that had, you know, finished paint or anything on it. I mean, the paint just starts to almost bubble. I mean, it, it, it the heat alone can destroy. I mean, it's not just that flame that's the... That's bad. I mean, yeah. most houses, in, you know, in neighborhoods that have some sort of a home next door that uh, burns up, a lot of their uh, vinyl siding, uh, you know, even wood siding gets destroyed. Windows burst out, and they're they could be blocks away. Yeah, and if you if you ever burn pine, it burns at a higher temperature, uh, mainly just because it's not like a very hard wood. It's not a hard packed. It's airy, yep. you know, so it burns really fast and really hot. Yeah. So, like, we'll be sitting there, and there's been a couple times where I've lost some arm hair and leg hair. I'm going to yeah. throw it out there. You know, I've had, like, it, it looks like I was shaving to go swimming. Yeah. But really, it just, I was at a fire, bonfire. Hey, swimmers, ladies, anybody who's looking to uh, trim their hair in a, in a more natural way, just start a fire. Bonfire get, shaving Get company. a little too close. <laughs> 
On October 8th, the fire hit the town of Pestigo, where 200 people were killed instantly as they sat at a local tavern. And what a way to go, man. Just having a couple brews with the boys. I honestly feel like that would be the place that I would go. Yeah. Um, I, shit, shit's burning down. Uh, I'm going to be the first one in line at the at the tavern. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have a couple cold ones until uh, the good Lord takes me. One bourbon, one shot, one beer, baby. Exactly. And just go with it. Uh, many fled and drowned in the river, and some sought refuge in the water tower where they were bo- sadly boiled alive, which another just I don't devastation. Even, I don't I mean, even want to think about that. Yeah, just insanity. And uh, one of the stories was of a man who bravely saved a woman he believed to be his wife. He was driven to madness after discovering it was not his wife and a stranger, which yeah. is just one of the stories that were reported after the fire. And could you imagine, you know, you thought you had your wife with you. You're running through these flames and the clouds of dust and yeah. you jump in the river to seek refuge. And you're like, this isn't my wife. She probably freaked out, too, on top of it. You know, I just that would be insane. And another story was of a 13-year-old uh, German immigrant who grabbed the horns of her cow and just sat in the river with the cow the entire night while the, while the, she watched the city burn from the river. Yeah, and just, then afterwards she had, you know, boiled cow for dinner. <laughs> she had a couple beef briskets <laughs> after the fact, but... I hate, I hate to think about it, but that is absolutely awful. Yeah, it, it's it's such a sad event. Like, we're just trying to kind of cheer it up a little bit because this, like, was something we wanted to report on. It's such a huge event in our history, and well, it's and I, just and I, a really depressing one. And but. I think, too, it, it, it helps us uh, ha- have a better, um, you know, just a better understanding of exactly, you know, how important fire safety is and just how lucky we are to be, you know, around and living in a time that we have such fantastic fire precautions we have the emergency systems that we do uh something like this would be next to impossible to happen uh to this degree right i can imagine Smokey the bear standing there watching just ripping his fur out like ah yeah you know just freaking. well and, and think about it you know in california the wildfires on on the west coast right now are I mean, how many have we had this year already? Right. I mean, this is intense. So I sort of feel for them in in the in the sense that we're reading this and we're hearing about some really, really awful, awful fates. And that's probably a reality for somebody out there right now because you can't stop it. The heat is so uh, uh, wreck. I mean, it just wrecks everything. It it dries it out just like we were talking about uh, the the you know the. The, the reason why this may have, have been as dev- devastating as it was. Everything is dry, and it just it can spread in, in a heartbeat. Right. And uh, if you ever get a chance to uh, get to Peshtigo, uh there was a mass grave that was constructed, and you can still visit today, and there's about 350 people that are buried there. Um, due to the extensive burns from the fire, uh, many of the remains were unidentifiable, which is pretty sad, too. Uh, the gravesite is marked by a large Wisconsin historical sign and can be visited anytime to pay your respects. Additionally, the Peshtigo Fire Museum is a former church located in, a t- in the town of Peshtigo. And sixteen. And on top of Peshtigo, there were 16 additional towns that had burned. Uh, they were obviously smaller than Peshtigo, but Peshtigo was worse off. And uh, out of the 1,200, 800 of the lives were lost in, lost in Peshtigo alone. Yeah. Uh, and as mentioned before, this was one of the most devastating fires in history in the United States. But due to the Chicago fire, the news, you know, Peshtigo was unheard of and it was kind of overshadowed piece of history. And it just didn't get the same media coverage. Not that the media coverage uh, uh, was huge back then, but still 
the the word didn't spread as much about Peshtigo as it did about the Chicago fire. Right. And I, I like I said before, like it's just something I wanted Wisconsinites to know and hear and uh, something that we should never forget that it did happen and a lot of people lost their lives. And Absolutely. It, definitely something that, uh, uh, although it's sad and it's sort of a, 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 a kind of a dark spot on the history of Wisconsin, uh, even those events need to be remembered and uh, we should definitely uh, pay homage to uh, to those individuals. Uh, like Russ mentioned, if you are in the area, just go check it out. I, I think it would mean uh, a lot to you and your family, but also to uh, any of the surviving uh, members of the families and lineage from those families that uh, that did perish. Yeah, and you know we're going to conclude this, but again, like we we are trying to keep it a little uplifting. And I think now we're going to move on to something a little more lighthearted, our official music segment we always have. Yeah, absolutely. So today's music segment is actually from a band called Doozy, and uh, the song that we have from them is Don't Care. These guys are uh, a really fantastic band, uh, and, and this was another one that I believe we reached out. We just put some feelers out and said, hey, do you do you, anybody have any good music? Uh, if you're in a band that's even better, reach out to us. We would love to promote and uh, we got a, a cool response from them and, and thought, let's go. Yeah, I, I kind of get like a little bit of a Weezer vibe too from them. Kind that's of. exactly. Like, so that's, I, I wanted to say, I actually watched the uh, Weezer small or tiny desk uh, NPR performance. And I started thinking, you know, our, our band this week was uh, doozy. And I kept thinking, man, these guys are, are, I mean, they're hitting on it. This is that same kind of vibe, same kind of tone. I really clearly though uh their own which you know they're not trying to copy or or uh or mimic anybody's sound I mean they definitely have their own individual sound but I think uh, you know as humans we're we're kind of just trying to find something, something comparable yeah, similar or comparable yeah exactly that's kind of how I feel too but without further ado here is doozy don't care about you I don't care about you if you don't care about me I don't care about you, and I won't ever love you if you won't ever love me. I won't ever love you. No, I won't. Yeah, I remember singing all my songs all about. So dumb. Why'd I care so much when you didn't care at all? And I was sitting there thinking by myself, you were always drinking with all of the boys. And I really want to tell you something. It's too bad you're not around. I don't care about you if you don't care about me. I don't care about you. Please be used. 
All right, that was Doozy, Don't Care. Definitely check them out, the rest of their, their stuff. I believe they're uh, available on uh, YouTube, Bandcamp for sure. Uh, check for them on uh, Spotify as well. Uh, those guys are definitely worth a, a listen. Throw them on a playlist called uh, Wisconsin Greats or Wisconsin Locals. Awesome. We now have a beer review. And uh, today's beer is especially good. <laughs> Russ definitely he just he just took a, a little bit of the beer to the chest right now, which is awesome. There's a little bit of carbonation behind that. Holy smoke, dude! I pissed myself in beer, dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, we have Ale Asylum Hopalicious in our mugs today. Be careful cracking that thing, dude. There's some carb behind that. <laughs> you just got it too, but so it's uh it's one of the Wisconsin staples um called Hopalicious. It's a American pale ale. Um, it's pretty tasty. It's a, it's kind of like I think they actually consider it Madison's staple beer, and uh, it's super refreshing. Um, it has a little bit of bitterness, but not a lot. I, I'm getting more of the hop aroma and the hop taste, and uh. <laughs> A lot of it landed on my lap because we think we overcarbonated them. So I'm actually rocking uh, Hopalicious piss-looking jeans right now. Sturge got it on his shirt, too. I'm pretty wet over here, guys. <laughs> his um, fucking Tom Petty is Tom Wetty right dude. now. He's a Tom Petty T. Uh, <laughs> I'm, wear- I'm wearing a Tom Petty uh, Damn the Torpedo shirt, and it is now Tom Wetty Damn this beer is good. And we just had a heartbreakers when he spilt it on himself. And I'll be honest. Hey, you know, I don't mind if I spill a beer naturally like this, where it just comes out of the can at a, at a high rate of speed. I took a little bit to the face, a little bit to the chest. It's fine. You know why? Cause this thing is delicious. And I don't mind. As Russ said, it's, it's refreshing. You want to know why it's refreshing? Because I'm, I'm doused in cold beer. I love it. This is, and any of you wrestling fans out there know, Austin 316, oh yeah, because Stone Cold said so, and uh, he he would smash beer over his head, and you know what, if this beer existed in the late 90s when he was doing that, this would have been the beer he would have chosen. Oh yeah, he would have cracked these bad boys, gave some middle fingers, doused his bald head, sucked this down and goatee. gave us stunners, he would have his knee up. His knee brace would have been all lubed up and ready to rock and roll, but I'm telling you right now, this thing is a golden copper color. Absolutely, uh, medium body uh, a boldness. Um, really, a, a classic American pale ale. I uh, it's it's really hop. It is bitter, but it's um, not awful. We've had some really bad uh, yeah. APAs and IPAs that are just over the top bitter, where they leave the dryness in your exactly. mouth. Exactly, this one doesn't have that, and it it's like definitely instant dryness. It's it's almost like you're drinking a can of sand, and this is not that way. This is amazing. It's it's definitely for. Uh, local hop heads. And I don't know if if, if you've ever been to the Ale Asylum over by the airport in Madison. Me you, and Sturgeon have and actually I, been there. Yep, you and I definitely visited. We went on the tour. They were just opening their canning operation at that point, if it I was remember. Ama- it was, It was yeah. early in the early Ale Asylum. Early in their whole setup. Yeah, and I remember uh, coming home. I mean, we didn't really drink a ton there, but we came home and we bought some at the store. And I think we polished off a whole 12-er and... We were, we were feeling pretty good, man. I think we played some music, and yeah, I, I love this beer. It, it has a lot of memories for me, yeah, me shout and my out, friend here. And- shout out to Mike uh, Mike King. Uh, we played some music with that dude uh, right after drinking a, you know about a, a barrel full of this stuff, and uh, we wrote some of the best music that we never remember. 
Yeah, I, I, the one song we wrote, is, and it was kind of like paying homage because we were talking about um, Top, Top Gun. Gun. Top Gun. And uh, we came up with this terrible song called Hanging with the Boys. Hanging with the Boys. Yeah, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. And uh, we yeah, none, to, of, none of us remember how to play it. No. None of us remember like, exactly how it goes. It was like a three-chord pop song. It just goes, hanging with the boys. Because I'm hanging with the boys. <laughs> it's all I remember about it, yeah. honestly. But, great, this beer is great for hanging with the boys oh, or hanging as a girl's night. Yeah, hanging with the boys and girls. I mean, yeah. you can you, you can take shirts off, play some volleyball, and suck some of these down. You're going to you, want to take your shirt off before you open this because this could definitely wreck your outfit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to do laundry. I'm uh, guessing these just sure. got shaken up. I'm guessing or something. Who knows? I man. mean. There was some card behind that, though. I'm these feel- have been in the refrigerator for... They've been in there for a while, so maybe just yeah. When I don't you know. bought these ones, yeah, I got these ones. Just this to, was probably at least six, seven weeks ago, eight, eight weeks ago now. Yeah, so they've been sitting in the fridge, but they still got a nice taste to them. They're crisp, fresh. I recommend anyone go and check these out. In fact, before you enjoy this, shake it up a bit. Oh, enjoy what we just experienced. Enjoy a it's fucking great. I mean, I, I got a cooled off. I got a little beer on me. If I get pulled over now, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm actually going to sit this one out for a while today, I think, yeah. we're doing three episodes. So Russ, I'm Russ is sleeping over. Yeah. All right. Definitely check out Hopalicious. Uh, this is a, a fantastic beer. If you are some sort of a, a, a beer snob, uh, just a, a, an enjoyer of all things beer, uh, definitely check this one out because I think you're going to enjoy uh, the, 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 the classic American pale ale style. All right. We have another edition of... How many local you at? Yeah, and this one's a pretty special one, actually. Uh, <laughs> Sturge found this one. Definitely and, an uh, odd story. Uh, it, 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 I don't think it compares to any of the other ones we've had uh, up until this point. So uh, this one is uh, from Oak Creek, Wisconsin, so right down the road from me here. Uh, somebody called in and said, there's a guy behind us. He's driving really reckless. Should be recklessly, by the way. But he, he has a hawk in his car. And uh, that, that, that was a, a, a firsthand account from a 911 caller. Uh, so when police uh, in Oak Creek pulled over the erratic driver uh, from this bizarre 911 call, uh, they made an even more bizarre discovery. So the driver of the car uh, was not driving with a hawk, as originally anticipated. He was actually driving with Russ. A chicken. It was a chicken. That's nuts. Uh, normally you see drunk drivers with chicken nuggets, but he <laughs> had them in their more natural state. These organic nuggets in whole form. The uh, police say he was drunk. That is that is the official WISN report. Okay. It says he was drunk. So the driver reportedly told officers the chicken's name is Teresa. What a, what a great name. Yeah, that's a really nice name for a chicken. They also found multiple open cans <laughs> of beer and other intoxicants in the vehicle. Teresa is now safely under the care of Milwaukee Animal Control, just so everybody knows. Uh, and the uh, individual was arrested on the spot for drunk driving. We don't have uh, any sort of a... Um, blood alcohol level we don't have uh, any field sobriety stats as you will Um, but what we do have is a gentleman driving absolutely hammered with uh, Teresa a chicken 
So for those of you that don't know, we actually have a chicken farm. Um, yeah. And I, I'm just trying to think in my head, how many locos do I have to have to put one of those bad boys in there? Do you think old Red wants to go for a ride? I don't know. Yeah, my, my thought process here is uh, he had the wherewithal to mention the name of the chicken. He had the wherewithal to uh, to explain that situation to police. However, he's driving like an absolute animal, and he obviously has a chicken in his uh, passenger seat. So my question is, what level of loco are we talking here? Uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't think he's super high. Like, a, he is reckless driving. But for me to put one of my chickens, Old Red, she's coming with me, probably two cans of loco. I'm thinking an eight loco with this guy. Yeah, I was definitely sitting at six. I thought six loco, he's about a can and a half deep at least i think we're we're right in there i think between six and eight is the perfect number you know after we're done with this podcast i think i'm going to call the uh, milwaukee police department see how Teresa's doing i think (laughs) finding out from animal control if Teresa's maybe even available yeah i might bring her home with me tonight on the way way back (laughs) Teresa, you hopping in might be be i might be pulling another wisn article about uh a more um well-known person to all of you listeners uh, about a chicken in the driver passenger seat in the driver's seat. <laughs> I might Buckle let Teresa in. drive home. Yeah, fuck it. He, he, claws, he honestly, this guy probably should have let Teresa drive home. I think so. Teresa was probably way more sober than he was, but <laughs> yeah, probably would have been driving a little bit uh, less recklessly. And uh, yeah. I heard she's an excellent driver. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> All right, I'm here with the Thirsty Pagan up in Superior, Wisconsin. Hey, guys, how are you doing today? That's a lovely day here. Nice, nice and pleasant out there. Pretty good, sir. Great, good to hear. And uh, so, yeah, we like like to hear about uh, a little bit more about the Thirsty Pagan. I know uh, every time I go down Highway 2 up there, uh, it's always a stop for me. Well, I'm sure glad to hear that. Um, the uh, Thirsty Pagan is actually now the oldest currently operating, continuously operating brewery in the Twin Ports because uh, Lake Superior closed last year. So we, we now have that honor of being the oldest running brewery in the Twin Ports. That's awesome. Yeah, and I know you guys got the old Sioux Line building. Can you give us a little history about that? It's a pretty neat building. Yeah, it actually is. Uh, now, I may be a little off on some of the dates. Uh, Willie's got uh, the website pulled up, but it's a 100-plus-year-old building. Uh, the last passenger rail train came through here in, I think, 68? 65, 1965. Uh, oh, that's, a really, that's a really good year, Saturday Night Live, yeah. <laughs> I was born in 65. Great year. Great. Yeah, and uh, I was wondering, um, do you guys have any new brews coming out? Um, I know I've had the uh, derailed pale ale in the lawn chair. Um, any other ones you'd recommend for our listeners? because I made them. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my assistant brewer actually poked me with an idea that uh, was, was actually quite fun to do. Where uh, we went and bought some blueberries and ground them up and threw them in a in a tube to infuse, and we're going to make a blueberry pilsner just a peg at a time. Oh, that's which, awesome! Uh, oh, it should be delicious. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. And yeah, what, uh, like, where are you guys currently getting your ingredients? Because I know uh, up there, uh, you guys probably got the shipping ports. 
Well, we uh, we get our grain shipped in from Chilton. We we get our, our grain from Breast, which is a Wisconsin maltster. Um, then uh, when we need a random ingredient, we'll try and get it through our food supplier. Otherwise, we'll order it from like a aseptic group puree, or if it's just produce, we'll go to the grocery store. Oh, great. Yeah, and the uh, the blueberries. Did you guys go and pick those up there? I know there's a ton of a ton of plants up in that area. We didn't. We didn't this time, but uh, we would. We definitely would like to do more um, getting stuff from the Bayfield area because they grow so many cool things over there. I have, as a home brewer, made a mead with cherries from Dora County, and I love working with those. They tasted so good. I would definitely be amenable to that. I do source my honey when I use it uh, locally from uh, over by Bayfield. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, we, you know, we talked to uh, White Winter uh, Winery up there, and they do the same thing. I think they get all their honey up in Bayfield as well. Yep, that's where I got it from. Yeah, we, uh, we have a relationship with them. Yeah, we carry uh, uh, their hop cider, their Boys Brewers hop cider from White Winter Winery here. Yeah, they're, they're really great guys, and uh, it's always a stop, too, when you're heading down Highway 2 to head up that way. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I haven't been to the facility yet. John's been here several times. I've gotten to know him somewhat. I really, I really like the guy. He's, uh, I have a, I have a dream to go over there with one of my old cider recipes, uh, one of my old homebrew cider recipes, and make it on his equipment and have him sell it to us as, you know, thirsty pagan cider. That, that's kind of one of the back burner things I'd like to get to while I'm here. Oh, that'd be awesome. And uh, I guess a little, one more thing about the brewery. Um, I know with COVID, things have been a little difficult. Um, do you guys have any events coming up? I know you guys have that parking lot out there, so I was just wondering if you guys had anything. Uh, we do, yes. We do live music outside um, Thursday nights every week. Uh, we try to do as many nights as we can. Uh, we have music on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, uh, always with weather permitting. And then we have uh, Wednesdays, we try to do, uh, we have a band called One Last Guest that plays once a month on Wednesdays that uh, brings in a pretty good crowd as well. And we have the Fractals here every Thursday, and they, they always draw a crowd. Awesome. Yeah, well, next time we're up there, uh, we'll have to stop in, and uh, we'll bring you some koozies, and hopefully we'll have some t-shirts by that point. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm an ex-large. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, and before I let you go, uh, we always ask our, uh, our, you know, our the people we have on the show uh, a few questions um, to find out how Wisconsin you are. And uh, even if you're from Minnesota, which I know up there a few people are, you probably have done a lot of these things, I'm sure. Uh, well, I, I am an immigrant. Uh, I most recently lived in the Twin Cities. I grew up in South Dakota. I uh, got my degree from the University of Iowa. So I've always lived in the Midwest. But this is the first, this is the furthest north I've ever lived. But my wife and I bought a house in Superior. We are, in fact, Wisconsin residents now. And I plan to stay here forever. But I really love it here yeah. uh, in Superior. I have lived in Wisconsin my whole life. So uh, let's see what you got. For All right. <laughs> Sounds like good. Pizza. So uh, the first question I got for you, have you guys ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Hell yes. Yeah. Love those. Yeah, same here. I mean, we got, we got Decatur kind of by us, which is like one of the main ones. And uh, yeah, it's nice when you get them and they're fresh and they got that salt and a little water to them and they squeak right on your teeth. When, uh, when I lived in Iowa City, we used to go to Kelowna because uh, there's lots of Amish and cheese down there. So I've been eating squeaky cheese my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's with this COVID going on right now, there's uh, food trucks parked in parking lots all over town, like ones that would be at the fair usually, and there's cheese curds and things like that all over right now, so it's pretty convenient. Love cheese curds. Yeah, I think we I think we saw one over by the uh, Richard Richard Bong Museum there, right on Highway Two. There was a truck pulled over, and it was, uh, looked like it had fresh cheese curds in it. Yep. Yeah, they're all over town right now. It's pretty nice. All right, the next question I have: Have you guys ever tailgated at either a Badgers, Brewers, or a Green Bay Packers game? Uh, yeah, I I usually go to two to four Packer games a year. I lucked out; one of my best friends uh, had season tickets. And they have the tailgate down to an absolute science, and it's fun every time. Now, my tailgating history is strictly University of Iowa. I used to hang out at Kinnick Stadium for a hot game. Um, I don't believe in sports. Uh, there is the one true sport that everyone should follow, of course, and that is women's roller derby. Oh, that's incredible. I know the Milwaukee has a team, and I think Madison now has a team. Do you guys have a team up there? Yes, we do. They're the, they were the Harbor City Roller Dames, but now they're the, I think they're Harbor City Roller Derby now. They're trying to be less, more gender inclusive, but not, no dames in the name. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, okay, so I got another question that's pretty Wisconsin. Uh, have either of you hit a deer? I know up there there's a huge population, so. Yes. <laughs> I have not. I've been lucky, though, because, I, like I said, my entire life I've lived in the Midwest and often rural. No, I've been hunted here before, not successfully. That's uh, that's pretty lucky of you not to have hit one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think I've hit two two deer in my driving days. So, being in the Northwoods, have you guys either of you seen a, a black bear? Yes, I have uh, near Minocqua. I I think I've seen three. And I'm not in three thousand is the most I've seen Yeah, I remember seeing one in the side of the road. I think it was up by Hurley, and it was just standing there, and it scared me. I thought it was a Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw him walk across to the highway in front of me. I was like, that's not a dog. <laughs> yeah. All right, the next question I got, have either of you driven a snowmobile to a bar? I have not. I rode, I used to ride snowmobiles when I was a little kid, but I've never owned one. Um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like snowmobiles, their full purpose on this earth, they were put here to groom trails for cross-country skiing, which is my winter love. Yes, uh, snowmobiles, four-wheelers, golf carts, bikes, scooter, anything with wheels, I'm taking to a bar. That's that's a true Wisconsin. I mean, I, I know I have as well. <laughs> now, I would, I, would, I would and I have skied to bars before. Oh, I've definitely done that, too. I love cross-country skiing. One of these days, I like to do the Birkenbiner, but unfortunately, uh, right now with COVID, I'm up about 10, 10 20 pounds. I, I don't want to admit it, but it's true. You know, actually, I, uh, when I was like 10 years old, there was a freeze, uh, a freeze over, and I ice skated to the gas station one time. My house. It was like two blocks away, and I skated the whole way there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, the next question I got for you. Um, how do you guys prepare your old fashions? Uh, personally, I do an orange, two cherries, sugar, seven, whiskey, and then I, uh, then I, um, what's the term I'm looking for? 
Do you just muddle them on the bottom there? Put that on the bottom, and then uh, throw the ice in, throw bitters in, whiskey, and a little seven on top. Oh, that sounds great. You add a little sweet to it. That's kind of the way I like it as well. You know, I'm not a bartender, so I, I say, make me an old-fashioned and I get one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Have either of you been to a supper club, and uh, which one do you recommend checking out? Uh, Dreamland. Dreamland Dream- Supper. Awesome. Yeah, that's. I've never been to that one. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Eddie's Ribs has a really old supper club feel. It's got a really cool bar area, and they have amazing food as well. Awesome. And, and I'm uh, showing Wisconsin as I'd like to be, because I actually haven't been to one of those yet. Um, I, I used to, when I was growing up in Northern Iowa, I think we had one down by Mason City that we went to. I can't remember the name of it, but it was pretty cool. It had the, the, the wood and the leather and that really, really old crunchy feel to it that was kind of fun and gosh I should do that again that got me thinking steak yeah you know I love I love like that 70s 50s you know dingy vibe that's kind of how we are here you know especially if you go to like a dive bar yeah yeah I love that it just feels homey you feel comfortable in there you know everyone kind of knows who you are I love going to a bar that you know no one would bat an eye if you slop the fish on it right there Place to hang out. Oh, yeah, Eddie's sure. it has that old, uh, old school bar vibe. Very dim lights, and the old, all the old uh, bar pictures and uh, old beer signs. That nature is very cool. All right, the next question: um, Do you guys ever eat beer brats? And uh, what beer do you guys usually use? Oh, I, I got that. I uh, I get whatever brat is on sale generally, but I always boil it in like a, a light lager. Uh, Corona is a, is a good one because what I like to do. Corona is my guilty pleasure beer. I don't drink OPB very often, uh, but a Corona is my guilty pleasure. So I'll, I'll keep some cold and some warm. I'll cook with the warm ones and drink a cold one whilst I'm boiling the broth before I grill them. That sounds pretty good. I've never tried a Corona. I mean, I always go for like the Pabst or the uh, Miller Lite or whatever I got in the fridge. I guess. Yeah, it doesn't really matter per se. It's any old thing, but there's there's a there's a distinct flavor in the Corona that I both like to drink and I like to cook with. So that that would be my go-to for cooking. Yeah, I like hams. A good hams beer brought something to be proud of. I think. Yeah, they're they're pretty tasty. I've definitely used some hams, especially you can get it pretty cheap down here in the south. You know, in the southern part of the state. So it's it's one of those ones where if you don't want to waste a good you know craft brew on it, you definitely throw hams in there. All right, the next question I got for you: um, Have you guys ever have you guys ever woken up and had a Bloody Mary? And uh, what do you guys put in yours? Uh, <laughs> whatever will fit in the glass. Yeah, y- yes. Um, I'll take anything you can get in the glass: shrimp, bacon, beef stick, cheeseburger, slice of pizza. Hard-boiled egg, celery with the spray cheese. You gotta have the spray cheese. Oh hell yeah! Um, you know, then the pickle, like a pickled onion, pickled mushroom, shot of Jagermeister next to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> my wife and I go to a science fiction convention every Easter, and we always have on Sunday morning a really elaborate Bloody Mary bar. That's where I drink most of mine. Awesome. Yeah, I know the one thing I love, if you, if you ever have a chance to try it, is uh, get some fresh venison and throw it in there. It just adds a lot of flavor. You get that pepper off of it. It's great. Oh, yeah. My, my neighbor gave me a two-pound uh, summer sausage with jalapeno in it, 
And he says, if you've got to thin and fry it up with your eggs for breakfast, oh, my God, that was delicious. That was great. We ate that in a hurry. All right, and I got I got one more question before I let you guys go today. Um, besides the Thirsty Pagan, is there a brewery tour or a brewery you recommend people go check out? Well, I'm myself particularly fond of Ursa Minor. They're one of the newer ones over uh, in Duluth. Um, they're they're a small operation, but they also they also have a really decent uh, coal-fired thin crust pizza. Um, if you like that kind of pizza, it's really good. I, I like ours a little better because it's a little more substantial. And they're, they're very different tasting. Um, the guys over there are really, really nice, and uh, they're making good, creditable, solid beer, too. Awesome. And uh, thank, you, thank you guys for the time today. And uh, next time we're up in that area, like I said, I hope we can stop by and do some beer chats with you. Yeah, please do. Introduce yourself. Ask for cat, and I'd love to come out and meet you. Sounds great. Thanks again for the time, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skiback, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always... Watch Watch out out for deer deer on the way way home. home.